This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Thought-provoking conversations with Lerato Mbele. 9 a.m. to midday. Thank you very much to the news teams. Thanks, Nyakalo. Thanks, Lebo. And in the morning, I didn't say thanks to Nombumelelo. Thank you very much for keeping us up to date with what's happening uh, in current affairs and in the public around us. Uh, 10.38 is the time. So something that is happening is Ace Mahashule. No, not he's happening. What's just happening <laughs> is that Ace Mahashule, the expelled leader of the ANC, is said to be in talks to form a breakaway party with the opposition and form his own version of what's called a moonshot pact. And it's reported that he's eyeing the EFF as perhaps the most aligned movement, as well as targeting other former ANC politicians who've left the ruling party. Well, whatever it is that's going on, it adds yet another player onto a saturated field of opposition parties whom in their diversity, and diversity is good for democracy, please don't get us wrong, but many represent the same things, the same issues and to a large extent the same ideology. Whether we're looking at the more left-leaning parties or the more centrist parties, they tend to represent similar issues. And so regardless of what Esmar Khashule ultimately does, it is going to dilute further the opposition in a highly contentious and competitive environment. And my understanding when I listen to voters, when I read, when I gauge sentiments, when I read social media, when I listen to callers at Power 98.7, the average voter, regardless of ideology, wants very simple and basic things. Good governance, service delivery, and accountability. People just want value for each rand paid in taxes. And so what are opposition parties doing to accentuate this, these requirements, interests, aspirations, demands of the electorate? Because if they put the voter first... I think then they'd find synergies around themselves and we wouldn't be seeing this proliferation of parties. And I must credit News 24 and City Press for um, this storyline. But having said that, let's bring in Wayne Sansman, who's an election analyst, along with Professor Nsigelelo Breakfast, who's a political analyst. So let's start with you, Wayne Sansman. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be on your show. Thank you. Really appreciate having you. And Prof, always good to hear from you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm Larato. Thank you. Okay, so let's start with you, Wayne. Um, focusing on what's going on uh, on the ANC side of life. So a former Secretary General, uh, expelled, says actually he's starting a breakaway movement. And I'm just thinking, didn't, didn't something like this happen with a COPE? Isn't this sort of what happened with an EFF? All these breakaway movements from the core. Yeah, so I think we shouldn't uh, underestimate Ace Mahashule. Uh, yes, we have seen this before, dating back to Bantu Olomisa in 1999, COPE in 2009, and of course the economic freedom fighters in 2014. We know it didn't end too well. Uh, it's not going too well for the UDM or COPE at the moment. 
but the EFF have been a two-election breakaway success story um, with regards to they've established themselves the third largest party and they'll hope to vote, grow, continue growing in the next election. With Aishmachashude, I think that in the free state province, and we must remember that in the local government in elections, the ANC just got over 50% in free state, and the free state's one of the traditional strongholds. Mm. Um, I'm not saying they don't get close. To, they normally overperform in the national elections, but in the local government elections, they didn't have the best outing. And with Ace Mahashule starting a party, uh, this should worry the ANC in the free state, because we must remember, whatever you may think of all the scandals surrounding Ace Mahashule, as an organizer in the ANC, this is someone who led the ANC in the Free State for, tw- I think it was 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's a remarkable t- time period. Uh, I don't think there's any other provincial lead in the ANC who's come close to that. So I do expect him to impact the ANC uh, negatively. And just very quickly to conclude this point, because I'd love to uh, learn from Professor Breakfast mm-hmm. with you. Uh, and that is that with regards to the uh, with regards to the if he's forming an opposition party uh, and wants to work with other opposition parties and not be in coalition mm. with the ANC then you can make the argument that the opposition base the opposition pool of voters is actually mm. working is actually going to be larger but okay. i suspect that ultimately Aishmachashule will probably prefer to work with the ANC in a coalition than uh, okay. parties like the DA, Action SA, okay. Songhezo, Zibi, Musimo, Mani, etc. Right. We'll and talk, the IFP. We'll talk about the others in a moment and the broader point that you're making. But let's just go back to what is believed to be the formations, the making of yet another breakaway movement from the ANC and what Wayne Sussman is telling us, Professor Breakfast, how I understand it, is that um, the free state can't be discounted as very strategic and important within the spectrum of politics in the country, not least because it was in uh, 1912, on the 8th of January, that the actual ANC was formed in Bloemfontein. So there's a huge historical rooting. And if a former premier, former secretary general of that party says, I'm thinking of doing something and the free state is his stronghold, um, you can't discount what that might look like. Um, Lerato, on a lighter note, when you were setting the scene um, earlier on, you struck me. As a political analyst, I think you must consider a career in that <laughs> regard. Not when <laughs> so, I love fun so much. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like stress. Go ahead. No, because I mean you are um, on point that you know, and I also congee with Wayne um, with regard to what he said um, that we've got a plethora of opposition parties. Yes, the constitution does make a provision for people to you know to um, get involved in the activities of um, their choice in terms of starting their own political parties um, and so on. But if you examine the political spectrum um, at close range, you will, re- you will realize that the political spectrum is a, a fragmented. And what that does is to give the ruling party um, an upper hand because it divides uh, a vote. Um, so uh, you made a, a point that some of these opposition parties, they can be uh, collapsed because they are uh, similar. Mm. I mean, for instance, if you look at, mm. um, let's say, um, Action SA, mm-hmm. they, they subscribe to the same ideology as the DA, the same goes to the IFP mm. and so on. 
Um, so in as much as they are on a political mission to dislodge the ANC from the helm of power, but at the same time, by so doing, they might be bringing back the ANC to power because votes are going to be split, yeah. you know. Yeah. And let's 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 hone in on this one issue. So we move away from Mahashule uh, and and what he might be doing because it's not officially announced. And let's just focus on this on the election playing field right now. Ipsos did a poll about a month ago, Wayne Sussman, and and asked a very simple question: If elections were to be held tomorrow, who would you vote for? And it turns out about fifty one percent of those polls said the ANC, not necessarily because of sentimentality or even ideology, because the opposition just looks to be in complete disarray, especially when you look at the state of municipalities where many opposition parties are being tested at the moment as to whether they can govern. Turns out they really can't work well together. Correct. So, by the way, uh, I think the coalition experience of the DA, Action SA, Freedom Front was not, hasn't been good in Johannesburg or Ekuruleni. Let's see what happens in the coming months in Trani. So I agree with in that regard. But equally so, I think the ANC are going to find it very hard to also lead these coalitions in these major cities in, in the province of Gauteng. But the, that Ipsos poll um, is very close to what my current projection is. I think the ANC is hovering just over the 50% mark right now. But I think we've got to remember something. Let's take the official opposition party, the Democratic Alliance. And I think um, they are, of course, the second largest party in the country. We, they... Um, are going to hover, I, I don't think they'll do much worse than they did in uh, 2021, uh, sorry, 2019. They might go back a bit. But I think the formation of some of these new opposition parties might see voters saying, we cannot vote for the DA. However, someone like Songhezo Zibi or someone like him, Shaba, we're willing, willing to give them our vote. So in that instance, you might see that the opposition tally grows. However, at the same time, you look at a party like the Patriotic Alliance, um, which has done very well. There's a key by-election today, by the way, in the south of Johannesburg, where they might win that, where they're saying, look, we're willing to work with the DA or the ANC, but right now, because of a variety of circumstances, are working with the ANC. And there you might say the opposition pools are actually getting less because the PA are working with the ANC. So the opposition is highly fragmented. It's going to remain fragmented. I think you're going to see more players emerge in the coming months because they see the ANC as vulnerable. And that is why we're going to have a very, very long ballot paper, which might, as Professor Breakfast said, actually suit the ANC. Professor Breakfast, let's bring you into now the broader conversation we're having here, which is... um when more and more players come in, it dilutes the the spectrum, right? It, it just adds too many people. Uh, and it just confuses, I think, the voter. Certainly, I would be as to who do I vote for because they look so similar and yet they're so different. And I remember looking at a report that said there are more, more than 400 registered parties in South Africa. More. So not all 400 are going to come to the national election. But in some iteration, they show up at local or national government level. And you know what? People have got enough going on in their lives to be trying to piece through what 400 plus uh, political parties are offering them. No, I think you're on point, Lerad. I think um, by and large, you know, people at local government level, they, they tend to lose interest 
in participating in electoral politics uh, because local government is in the front line of service uh, delivery. Mm. But at the same time, I think uh, in the general elections, I think people tend to be more um, interested in in, uh, participating in uh, um, elections. But at the same time, I think, in my opinion, there is a symbiotic uh, relationship between uh, uh, rendering services and voter turnout. I think when uh, government promotes development for the majority, people tend to uh, respond to uh, um, elections and vote um, on on a large scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 so we might see in the upcoming general um, elections maybe uh, a lower voter turnout, but not the same as we have seen um, at local government mm-hmm. uh, level. Okay, so the, there are two issues coming up here, and we can talk about voter turnout, voter apathy, frustration of voters, protest votes. We'll come into that in a moment. But Wayne Sussman, I still want to understand what opposition parties are thinking when they keep coming into formation. Um, you know, because it strikes me that, with all due respect, there are a lot of egos at play, where somebody says, I, Lerato, will not work with Professor Breakfast or Wayne Sussman. I will start a party and be the leader of my own party. And yet what I'm offering ideologically and technically is what you are offering and what Professor Breakfast is offering. Correct. So let's take uh, Bold One South Africa, led by Musi Maimani and Songhezo Zibi's Rise Mzanzi. I think we can get 100 people to call in now. And it would be very hard, maybe... We'll get, um, Musi Maimani owns the education portfolio. But I think it would be extremely hard to differentiate between the two parties. I mean, maybe Zibi, uh, Songhezo Zibi has more of a bench. He's got more of a, more infrastructure than Maimani. There's no distinguishable difference. And we know that when, uh, Herman Mashaba and Musi Maimani left the DA, they, there were strong rumors that they were going to form one party together. But you hit the nail on the head. Um, and that is, that there are egos involved. People believe that they are able... Herman Mashaba believes he can do better than Steenhuisen, who believes he can do better than Zibi, who believes he can do better than Maimani. And I think this is going to continue to... Uh, this is going to continue to happen. And this, by the way, also happens with funding, that people want to try back um, a new horse into the race who they think can do better in this election run. But if we look at the trends of by-elections right now, and the electoral trends right now, um, it's the, the party which is really showing up the ANC across South Africa, well, not across South Africa, because in the is the Encarta Freedom Party, which is a much more settled uh, political movement, a, a political organization mm-hmm. well-known. They're doing particularly well. And I think, by the way, opposition parties need to look at the IFP and, and, and understand why they're having success where other parties, what do you are, think it opposition is? parties are falling short. What do you think well, it is? I think it's interesting, and this goes back to a trend we saw in the 2021 local government elections. Just very briefly, in 1999 and 1994, we saw the ANC offer a broad, uh, ch- uh, a very broad spectrum of South Africans. If you looked at the ANC benches there, demographically, um, occupation-wise, background-wise, very diverse. Also, the Democratic Alliance in 2016, the most successful opposition uh, election for an opposition party. The DA offered a big diversity of candidates, black, white, urban, rural. What we have seen now, what we saw in the 2021 local government elections was that South Africans went inwards. 
and Zulu voters. One was a reject. They obviously they weren't happy with the way Jacob Zuma was treated, but a lot of Zulu voters said we want to uh, embrace something which we know will speak for us first, and that's why the IFP grew. That's why the Patriotic Alliance grew about, uh, amongst coloured voters, and that's why the Freedom Front grew because Afrikaners said here's a party unlike the DA at this stage which really speaks for us. Okay. And that was a fascinating trend, that South Africans went inward and chose to be vote right. for something which is more familiar. And I'm wondering whether that trend will continue right. into the 2024 election. Okay, that's what we're going to ask Professor Breakfast when we come back, is when service delivery is so fraught, when people are not even getting their dustbins collected, do people still vote on those primordial identity, racial and ethnic lines? Professor Ansigilela Breakfast, are South African voters more sophisticated or do they go back to the core when it's crunch time? I think, um, Lerato, there are different uh, categories of um, uh, voters you get what I call, first of all, the diehard uh, supporters, <laughs> people who vote in relation to party loyalty. Uh, and, 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 and this applies to the ruling party um, in particular, because in my opinion, there are two sources of political power. The first source comes from the rural section of uh, the mm-hmm. population. Mm-hmm. And the ANC in that regard has not been dealt with um, a blow. I don't think the ANC, the support of the ANC has shrunk uh, in the rural-based uh, okay. section. However, in urban centers, that's where the ANC has been dealt with a blow. And that is partly because in urban centers, you get uh, a lot of people are part of the middle class who vote in relation to public policy issues and who are also exposed to um, uh, the media, access to um, information, mm-hmm. um, and so on. And then you get what I call... Um, People who are not uh, quite sure who to vote for, who who vote normally or on the basis of a trend, you know, um, in terms of what is happening um, in the body, uh, a politic. Uh, so I think those are the categories of, mm-hmm. of, of voters that we, we have. But at the same time, I also think that, and I've made this point earlier on, that there is a connection between a slow pace of service uh, delivery yeah. Yeah. and voter uh, turnout. Okay, so this this voter turnout issue, what do you think is going to transpire? Because every day we are hearing people sick and tired of services not being delivered. And not even that. We see a, a steady increase in service delivery protests, whether they involve 30 people or 3,000 people. But we're seeing more and more of this phenomenon. Well, my view is that uh, most of the eligible voters are young people in the main. And some of the young people, in particular those who are part of the military, not all of them, they think that the struggle is over uh, because they have not bought the same brand that the previous uh, generation has mm-hmm. experienced. Uh, but, but, but secondly, um, you know, Franz Fanon once said each and every generation has its own uh, agenda. Mm-hmm. So a lot of young people are on the back foot uh, in terms of access to um, employment and in terms mm-hmm. of uh, making ends meet. For instance, I mean, if you look at uh, unemployment, I mm-hmm. think uh, it is sitting at uh, 32%. Uh, 
percent, and it is worse amongst the youth. So then, question is, why must I vote if um, uh, those who are at the helm of power are not rendering services to to me? So that's in, so that is one of the things that motivates okay. young people to disengage from uh, a politics. Right, which which you'd hope for the reverse is don't disengage. Actually, channel that anger into some kind of a vote. Um, okay. Okay. Wayne, final question to you. So we are hearing what younger voters want, and they are now eligible voters. They might show up, they might not. And then they are the traditional, loyal, uh, sentimental voters. But regardless, what is it that voters want and what alternatives really exist in South Africa? Correct. Just a very quick point on turnout. If there are compelling candidates and compelling parties to vote for in 2024, we'll see turnout improve. But as we saw in the local government elections, turnout was very poor. South Africa, there are going to be a lot of alternatives on the ballot in 2024. Let's see if this really speaks to South Africans. And by the way, will young South Africans get an ID, an ID card, go mm. and register, register in the right polling station? There's a lot of hoops to go through before mm. you can actually vote. I think voters want to know that uh, there are going to be candidates and parties who can turn this country around and deal with youth unemployment and deal with housing and deal with all the inequality and deal with all the social challenges. Um, And I agree with what's been discussed earlier. There's a lot of exasperation. There's a a lot of... Uh, there's a lack of hope right now because mm-hmm. people are not seeing discernible changes and differences mm-hmm. amongst all parties, wherever they may govern or be in opposition. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be critical. But just a ray of one ray, one ray of hope. The 2021 local government elections was had the worst turnout ever in a major election in South Africa. In many wards, since the 2021 local government elections, where there have been by-elections, turnout has exceeded that of what we saw uh, in the 2021 local government election. So South Africans are understanding that there's a power for their vote, and I just hope that that trickles down to young voters who need to participate in this election because those unemployment figures Professor Breakfast spoke about are very, very scary and concerning, and let's hope that South Africans will continue to believe in the power of their vote at the ballot box. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Wayne Sussman, an election analyst, and Professor Ntsigilelo Breakfast, a political analyst. Straight to the news. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.